Okay, Father, we thank you that you love your church, that you call us a house of prayer, that you desire us to go to another level of prayer. And so we invite you, Holy Spirit, to speak to our hearts today. Come awaken your church. Come and awaken us into new levels of prayer. Come and have your way in our lives, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's an honor and a privilege to be sharing this message this morning. And I just know that this is what is on God's heart. This is what the Holy Spirit is saying to the church at this time and this hour. And so, and so I'm, it's an honor and a privilege to share it with you. Um, so the title of my message this morning is Ignited, um, The Call to Prayer, The Call to Prayer. And, you know, when I look at how Jesus describes his church, how he refers to his church, I love how he describes her. We see this in Mark 11, verse 17. He said, is it not written, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations? Is it not written, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations? And yes, he's quoting that from the Old Testament. But he's saying, hey, listen, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. That's what he calls. That's how he calls his church out. And um, when I look at that word house in the Greek, it's the word oikos. And if we look at what Strong's and Tayers, uh, how they translate it, house, oikos, it's his dwelling place. It's his home, his abode, his family, his household. So his household, he calls it a house of prayer for all nations. His dwelling place is a house of prayer for all nations. His family is a household of prayer for all nations. And so prayer is essential for all believers. Prayer cannot just be relegated to the background somewhere, to some room somewhere for so-called spiritual people or perceived spiritual people to be praying. No, it's not just for a group of leaders, um, a group of church leaders to be who, who love to pray, to go off and pray. No, he says, my house, my household, my family will be called a house of prayer. For all, for all nations. So prayer is not for some few select people. You know, there's a fallacy, there's this misunderstanding that, in, that, that prayer is just for some watchmen or some intercessors who have received a special call to pray. No. How can this house be a house of prayer if prayer is relegated to just a few in the corner? No. His church is to be characterized by prayer. He desires his church to be a house of prayer. That means that all of us are called to prayer in some degree. Now, I'm not saying that all of us are going to spend 24-7 in prayer. No, but all of us, there's a call to all of us to be found in prayer. There's a call to all of us to rise up to our next level of prayer. In Ephesians 2 verse 19 to 22 says, Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. And what type of dwelling place does he want to dwell in? He's like, he wants to dwell in a house of prayer. He is building a church that is becoming a house of prayer, and he wants you and I to be a part of it. He is calling you. He's calling me. He's calling us. He wants to include us. We all make a difference. 
difference. He can't include me. He can't include you if we won't stand up, if we won't awake, if we won't avail ourselves. He's wanting us to stand up and say, I'm available, Lord. Teach me. Lead me. I want to go to my next level of prayer. And in Luke 22, verse 46, Jesus is speaking to his disciples. He's in the garden of Gethsemane. And he says to them, why do you sleep? Rise and pray, lest you enter into temptation. And I feel the Spirit of God saying that to his church at this hour. Why do you sleep? Rise and pray. Why are you sleepful? Rise and pray. Why are you um, getting so busy and caught up in so many things that you're spiritually asleep? Rise and pray. And that word asleep, if we look at tears uh, again, it means to drop off to sleep, to sleep, to euphemistically be dead. So to be dead to the spirit world, okay, in effect. Metaphorically to yield to sloth. Why are you yielding to sloth? That's laziness, okay? Laziness, rise and pray. Why are you lazy? He could, could in effect be saying that to you and I. Why are you lazy? Rise and pray. Why do you love sleep so much? Rise and pray. It also means to be indifferent to one's salvation. Rise and pray, okay? That word rise, if we look at what that means, it means to cause, to rise up, to raise up, to rise up from the dead, to stand up. So he's saying, hey, you know what? Why do you sleep? Why are you, why are you uh, asleep to the spirit world? Why, why are you so lazy? Why do you love sleep so much? Stand up. Cause yourself to stand up. You know, to stand up, I can't, I can't say, oh Lord, I pray that you would help me to stand up and then I remain sitting. No, what do I have to do? I have to stand up. I have to actually make a decision and do something about it. And that is what he wants us to do. We have to make a decision and do something about it. We can't just pray, oh Lord, help me to pray. And then we stay in our current mode, our current modus operandi, our current um, habits, our current disciplines, our current everything is nor as usual um, in our lives. No, we have to actually make a decision and do something about it. And um, I'm wanting to help us all to establish an altar of prayer in our lives, in our homes, as we go through the series, because this is a first, a first in a message in a, in a series where I am wanting to help us to take our prayer levels to another, to another level, take it up a notch, so to speak. Now, you might say to me, well, where do I even start? I don't feel a call to intercession. I don't have any special ability to pray. I don't even know if I'm praying right when I pray. Maybe you say, well, I'm afraid to pray out loud in front of others. And besides which, I get bored when I pray. Never mind when other people pray. I get, I fall, I want to fall asleep when other people pray. Uh, maybe you say to me, how do I know God is even listening? How do I know I'm not wasting my time? You know, there's so many questions that people have around prayer. Maybe you can identify with some of the ones that I've just said. Maybe for you, the questions are like, why do I need to pray? If God is sovereign, surely he's going to do what he wants anyway. What is the purpose behind pray? If God is prayer, if God is God, why do I pray? Surely, surely he's sovereign. You know, does prayer really make a difference? Is it, am I not just wasting my time listening to my voice? You know, can prayer cha change God's mind? Is, is the purpose of prayer to twist God's arm and manipulate him to do what I want? How do I know what he wants me to pray? Is prayer just about changing me? Is it really necessary? What about when people are praying for the same issue at hand, but praying opposing things? What does God do? 
Does God only answer certain types of prayer or prayers prayed by certain people? Is there a heart position I need to take that will cause my prayers to be more readily answered? There's so many questions that echo in the hearts of God's people around prayer. And if you have thought any of these or you have any of these in your heart, you're not alone. Questions or not, it doesn't matter. He still calls his house a house of prayer. You are still called to be a part of that, questions or not. And so I'm wanting to dig deeper into this whole uh, topic of prayer and what Jesus expects from us and what he's asking us to do in terms of prayer. And I want to ask you to join me on this journey. Questions or not, it's okay. We're going to go deeper in prayer and we're going to trust him to take us to another level of prayer. In the first place, I'd like to look in terms of prayer and learning about prayer is Jesus. Jesus is our model. He's not just our spiritual leader's model. He's all of our model. And um, yeah, we are all to become more Christ-like. We are all to be built together, a dwelling place for him, prayerful stones, as it were. And the thing that I love about Jesus, one of the things that I love about him is that he was prayerful. He prayed. He prayed a lot and we can learn a lot from his lifestyle. And the first um, thing that I'm wanting us to look at in terms of when he prayed is he prayed for guidance and clarity. He prayed to get direction. He prayed when the crowds were seeking him and wanted his ministry. And he didn't always follow the crowds, but he got direction. He got guidance. He got clarity from his father in heaven. Um, we see this. In Mark 1, verse 35 to 39, it says, Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. When they found him, they said to him, Everyone is looking for you. Everyone is looking for you. Come, Lord. You've made it big. This is what we came for. This is what you came for. You came for this, this is your ministry. It's, it's, it's alive. There's life here. Come, everyone is looking for you. And what did Jesus say to them? He said, let us go into the next towns. He's like saying to them, no, 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 that's fine. There are crowds now following me. There's life happening there. That's fine. But my father just told me this morning that I must go into the next towns, that I must preach there also, because for this purpose, I have come forth. He got his purpose, his direction, guidance, clarity from that place of prayer. And he knew where he had to go next. You know, many of us are needs led. Many of us are people led. Many of us are people pleasers. If our ministry is in demand from crowds, we think we've made it big. We follow the crowds, okay? I don't see Jesus always doing this. He often withdrew to pray. From the place of prayer, he lived a life of purpose and perfect obedience. We see in Luke 6 verse 12 to 13 another example of this. It says, now it came to pass in those days that he went up, well, he went out to the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. He continued all night in prayer to God. And when it was day, he called his disciples to himself. And from, then, from them, he chose the 12 disciples whom he also named apostles. And the gospel writers note that before every important event in Jesus' life, he would take time to go off by himself and pray. In the particular time that I mentioned, Jesus was preparing to choose his inner circle, the 12 apostles, and he prayed all night before making this decision. You know, some of us think that we need to just jump in and make a decision. So we, we make a decision and we, we, we've got, we go for it, guns blazing, we're already halfway, you know, to, 
to wherever we're going. And as a sort of afterthought, we say, oh, Lord, please bless my decision. Please help me. Lord, I've already chosen these guys. They're coming with me. Please, can you, can you bless my decision? But that's not what I see Jesus doing. Jesus prayed all night and he got guidance and he got clarity from his father in heaven. And then he made the decision. Okay, so Jesus, Jesus prayed for guidance and for clarity. The second um, aspect that I'm wanting to look at in terms of Jesus' prayer and when he prayed is he prayed for strength and for consecration to his call. And we see this in the Garden of Gethsemane before Jesus is about to go to the cross in Matthew 26, verse 36 to 46, before he's about to be arrested. Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, you sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee. And he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. And he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. Stay here and watch with me. And he went a little further and fell on his faith and face and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but you will. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? For some of us, that's where he's at. He's saying to us, could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray lest you enter to temptation. Why? Because the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. You see, Jesus was in a place where he was saying, Lord, I know what you're calling me to. I know where you're calling me. It's this place of obedience is very difficult. Exceedingly sorrowful he was as he prayed. And he's like, Lord, he says this to the disciples, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. That's why he had to pray, because he understood this. And, you know, for many of us, we think if we're in God's will, it'll be health, wealth, prosperity, fame, uh, glory, easy. That's God's will. Well, if we look at Jesus, who is our ultimate model, we don't see this in his life. We see that at the height of the play, at the height of his ministry, where he was going to make the ultimate sacrifice. It was very, very hard. And he had to pray and say, oh, Lord, oh, Lord, if there's another way, you know, can you make it that way? Can you take this cup from me? Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. He had to pray. If Jesus had to pray and, and he explained why, because the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. How much more do we need to pray that we will walk in, in complete obedience? And at the end of that portion of scripture, he comes to his disciples and says, are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. You see, he was in a place of prayer, so he understood times and seasons. He understood what was about to happen because he was in that place of prayer. For many of us, we don't understand our opportunity. We don't see the opportunity and our season when it arises because we're not in that place of prayer. We miss it or we're not ready for it. We haven't fully consecrated ourselves to the core, so we're not ready to walk in that perfect obedience when the opportunity arises. So in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus told his disciples to wake up. He told them to rise up, to pray. He was praying. He also wanted them to pray. He wanted them to pray for their own benefit so that they could be positioned aright in obedience. See, sometimes we need to be, find ourselves and place ourselves in a place of prayer that we can be positioned aright in a place of obedience when the door of opportunity, when the door of our calling opens to take us to our next 
to our next level. In Luke 22 verse 46, he says, why do you sleep? Rise and pray lest you enter into temptation. He's saying this to us today. Why do you sleep? Why do you sleep? Rise and pray. Now, maybe you sleep in the natural or maybe you spiritually asleep. But he's saying to us, rise, rise. Why do you sleep? It's time to wake up. It's time to wake up, church. It's time we wake up. We set in place a schedule. We set in place a strategy. We build altars of prayer in our lives, in our households, in our families. It's time to rise and pray. The third aspect that I'm wanting to look at in terms of Jesus was that he lived a lifestyle of prayer. He lived a lifestyle of prayer. He didn't pray just on Sundays when you, when he, you know, or just when he had meetings with his disciples or just like when there were lots of people to pray with and he didn't get bored or where he did, he, he had a lifestyle of prayer. And we too are meant to live a lifestyle of prayer. In Matthew 17, Verse 14 to 19, we see this particular account. It says, when, they came, when they'd come to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. And then Matthew uh, 17, verse 18 to 19, it says, Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him and the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came privately to Jesus and said, why couldn't we cast it out, Lord? You know, he'd, he'd already um, given them authority and they'd already been casting out demons. So they were surprised. Why couldn't we cast it out? And Jesus begins by rebuking their unbelief. And then he explains to them, and we see it in verse 21, he explains to them why they couldn't cast it out. And he said, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. This kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. What is he saying? He's like, you have to have a lifestyle of prayer in order to, and fasting in order for this, this type to, to come out. You see, Jesus lived a lifestyle of prayer. In Luke 5 verse 16, we see this. It says, so he himself, that's Jesus, often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. Jesus often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. You see, when the opportunity arises for us, that is not the time to begin praying. The praying must already be happening. It must already be happening. So when the opportunity knocks or the door opens or the need arises, we're already ready. Jesus often prayed. He had a lifestyle of prayer. Um, another aspect that I'm wanting to look at in terms of Jesus is that is how he prayed for the church. Um, because Jesus prayed for the church, he prayed for us. And we can use this when we're praying for his church because we also need to pray for the church. And we see one of his prayers in John 17 when he's praying for his disciples. He prayed for all those who would yet come to know him through their words. And that's us too. So Jesus prayed for his church. And what are some of the things he prayed for in this prayer? Well, he prayed for unity. This is John 17, verse 11. He says, Now I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to you, Holy Father. Keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are. You see, Jesus wants us to be one. He wants his church to be in unity. He wants unity to be, an, to be a characteristic of his church. And he prayed for that. And I just want to say, you know, when we call, as we call deeper in prayer and as we're coming before the throne to be watchmen and to stand in the gap, you know, it's no good me going outside and gossiping and doing the work of the accuser of the brethren and criticizing 
and sowing negative and sowing disunity and discord amongst the brethren, speaking out against leaders or against my brothers and sisters, and then coming to pray and, and praying for unity because my, my works and my, my deeds are canceling out my praise. No, we have to consecrate ourselves to this in every aspect. We have to live the things that we're praying. Jesus prayed for unity in verse 11. He wants his church to be unified. He also prayed for joy. How many of you know the joy of the Lord is our strength? John 17 verse 13. But now I come to you and these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Jesus wants us to be filled with his joy. He prayed for protection. Verse 15. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. Pray for protection for his church. We need to pray for protection for his church. We need to pray for protection for his brothers and for our brothers and sisters. Verse 17, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. He prayed that we would be sanctified by truth. We need to pray that the word of God dwells amongst us richly um, in all wisdom and uh, in singing of spiritual songs and harm and 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 um, songs, psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, and that we edify each other, speaking the word, speaking the truth. We need to pray for the word that is preached from, from pulpits, from every platform. We need to pray for his truth to come forth out of leaders and people and places of infinite influence. We need to pray for his truth in his body. Amen. Okay. John 17 verse 24, he prayed that we would behold his glory. He says, Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which you have given me for you loved me before the foundation of the world. He prayed for his love to be amongst us. In, in verse 26, he says, and I have declared to them your name and will declare it that the love with which you loved me may be in them and I in them. You know, in some of the epistles we see, it's important for his love to, to be amongst us and his love to be shed abroad in our hearts and um, his love, which is a, a bond of perfection to be amongst us. You know, um, he taught his disciples to pray in Matthew 6 verse 9 to 13. This is another aspect of Jesus' prayer life and how he esteemed prayer. He taught his disciples to pray and he said, in this manner, therefore pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. You're familiar with this prayer. It's the Lord's prayer. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for yours is the kingdom the power and the glory forever amen your kingdom come your will be done among other things which begs the question what happens if we don't pray this you know some people think well why why do we need to pray this you know isn't it just a vain repetition well i don't think jesus would have taught his disciples to pray and then shortly after that instruct them and say you know, don't use vain repetitions like the heathen do. They think they'll be heard by their many words. Don't do that. But your father who is in the secret place will hear and he sees when you go into the secret place and close the door and pray. You know, I don't think he would have given us vain repetitions if straight afterwards he says, don't use vain repetitions. Okay, so he taught his disciples to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. So there must be something in us praying that. There must be something in us not praying that, okay? Some things don't happen unless we pray them, okay? So the sixth aspect of, of Jesus and prayer and Jesus and how he esteemed prayer 
um, was that Jesus encouraged his disciples that prayer gets results. So here we see that answer. Well, surely it's going to happen anyway, even if we don't pray it. No, well, Jesus said, Matthew 21, 22, whatever things you ask in prayer, believing you will receive. In other words, if you don't ask, you don't receive. And we see that later on in, in some of the epistles. You have not because you ask not. Okay, so no, you're not going to get it if you don't ask for it and pray. That answers that question. John 15 verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. In other words, if you don't abide in him and his words don't abide for you, in, in you, you can ask what you desire and it may not be done for you because you may not be asking in accordance with his will and with his word. Okay, And if you abide in him and his words abide in you and you don't ask, well then you still might not receive because you haven't asked. So we need to abide in him. We need to have his words abiding in us. And then we come to him and pray and we ask him what we know that he wants to do. And then he answers because he's, he's like, well, that's a brilliant idea. That's a God idea. I'm going to answer you and I'm going to do that. So it's important that we remain in him. His words remain in us. And then we come to him and pray and begin to ask him and he will answer our prayers. Hallelujah. That's Jesus teaching from in those scriptures. So that, that's very encouraging to me. So Jesus modeled prayer. He modeled a lifestyle of prayer. He instructed us to pray and he encouraged us that it is productive. So that, that's really encouraging to me. So that's Jesus, Jesus. And I'm, now I've looked at Jesus concerning uh, prayer and now I'm wanting to look at the book of Acts. So Jesus taught us and he modeled it. Um, now in the book of Acts, let's have a look at prayer. Acts 1 verse 13 to 14. And when they had entered, they went up into the upper room where they were staying. Peter, James, John and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon the Zealot and Judas the son of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the woman and Mary the mother of Jesus and with his brothers. That's a whole lot of people. Okay, and this particular instance, it's after Christ has been taken into heaven. All these disciples and these people returned to Jerusalem and they had a prayer meeting. And Jesus had said to them that they would be baptized with the Holy Spirit in a few days. So they waited together and they were found in prayer. You know, they'd just gone through something difficult. Um, they were just, this was all new to them. You know, so for us, when we face a difficult task, an important decision, when we're waiting for an answer or when we're facing a baffling dilemma, we can't just rush ahead into the work and just hope it comes out the way that it should. We make our first step pray for the Holy Spirit's power and guidance. And that's what the Living Application Study Bible um, comments on that particular scripture that I've just read in Acts. And I, I just think it's so beautiful how they were all in one accord in prayer and supplication. You know, in our current um, lifestyle, we, and especially now with lockdown and COVID-19, we see people retreating into their homes and, and you wonder how much prayer is actually happening, you know? How much prayer is actually happening in one accord, in agreement. Hopefully families are praying in one accord, but the church needs to still meet, still need to, the church still needs to continue in one accord with prayer and supplication. And you know what? We've got Zoom meetings as Go Christian Church, and we have a number of people from other churches who also join us, but we have Zoom meetings 
literally daily except on Saturdays we meet. And I want to encourage you to meet with us and pray in one accord. There's a power that, that, that is released in the spirit realm when we pray in agreement. You know, the Bible says one can put a thousand to flight, two can send the legions fleeing. There's something that happens when we pray in agreement. Um, we'll put the details for those Zoom prayer meetings up at the end of this message. But please, um, still be meeting with your brothers and sisters and praying together regularly. It's really important. So we see in Acts that the church met and prayed. They were in one accord in prayer and supplication. Okay, we see in Acts um, 2 verse 42 to 43, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. I find it so interesting that it doesn't say the apostles fasted and prayed for many days and many nights and then uh, wonders and signs were done through them. No, it says they continued. Those are the, that's the believers. They continued steadfastly in the apostle doctrine and fellowship in breaking of bread and in prayers. And then fear came upon every soul and wonders and signs were done through the apostles. You know, as a church, we can't point fingers and say, where are these great men and women of God? Where are these people who do signs and wonders and miracles today? Well, when the church is prayerless, when the church is faithless, we can't point fingers at anyone else. We have to look at ourselves and say, Jesus couldn't do many signs and wonders in his hometown because the people were so familiar with him. You know, there's something that we can do that to draw out signs and wonders and um, fear coming upon every soul. There's something that we can do when we are in prayer, when we break bread and fellowship and we continue steadfastly in the word of God. But we need to do it. As the body of Christ, we need to go to another level of faith and of prayer. Amen. I love Acts 12 verse 5. It says, Peter was kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. Beautiful. Peter's in prison. The church comes together and prays for him constantly. And we know what happened after they prayed. He was set free from prison by an angel. How many chains and people can be set free? And this is... Uh, spiritual chains, how many chains and prisons can be broken by the prayers of the saints, but the saints aren't praying enough. The saints aren't rising and praying. You know, the church was praying for their leader. They were praying for a leader. The church needs to rise up and pray for leaders. We got to pray for our leaders. We can't sit back and point fingers and criticize, criticize hairstyles, criticize clothes, criticize lives. Criticize all sorts of things. Criticize the car. Criticize this. Criticize that. Criticize the message. You know what? We need to rise up and pray for our leaders and then we'll begin to see prisons open. Then we'll begin to see signs and wonders at another level. But we as a church need to rise up and pray. Constant pray. Constant pray. That's what we see in Acts. Okay, so those are a few examples from the book of Acts where we see prayer spoken about. And obviously, I don't have time to go into all the examples. Um, the third aspect that I'm wanting to look at is in the letters to the churches. So this is the epistles and um, the letters to the churches. And I'm wanting to look at um, instructions and exhortations to the church reg regarding prayer. So that's what we can learn, what we're instructed to, to do, and how we are instructed and exhorted concerning prayer. Um, yeah, I'm also looking at, I'm also wanting us to look at 
the leaders and how they asked for prayer. You know, what are some of the things that they asked for and the leaders requested prayer. You know, church leaders need your prayers. They need the prayers of the church. And I'm also wanting to look at how the leaders prayed for the churches because we can also learn from that. We, we need to pray for the church and we can learn in terms of how they prayed for the church. We can learn and glean and become uh, more effective in our prayers. So we see in the epistles prayer requested by leaders. We see leaders praying for churches. We see encouragement to continue earnestly in prayer, to pray without ceasing. We see prayer for wisdom, for boldness, for strengthening, for the love of God to be shed abroad in hearts. We see prayer for, um, for doors to open and, and many other things. And I'm wanting to look at some of those scriptures um, and, and bear these in mind as we begin to design our own prayer strategy and build a prayer altar in our lives. And, and as we carry on in this series, I'm going to help us with practical tips in terms of this. But these are scriptures that we can incorporate as we embark on this new um, level of a uh, new journey of praying at another level of incorporating these disciplines in our lives. Now, the first aspect that I'm wanting to look at is instructions and exhortations to the church regarding prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 16 to 18, it says, rejoice always. Pray once a day for, for 10 minutes, that's okay. Does it say that? No, it says, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Pray without ceasing. So if you think you're praying enough, if you're not praying without ceasing, you haven't arrived and none of us have arrived. We pray without ceasing. That's every waking moment when you can pray, when you're driving, when you're in the bathroom, when you're cooking, when you are with your, whatever you're doing, pray in the spirit, pray in your home language, pray without ceasing. Colossians 4 verse 2 says, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. I love how thanksgiving features, okay? Features in the scripture, it features in the scripture before. Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Continue earnestly in prayer. Wow. Romans 12 verse 10 to 13. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor, giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation. Listen, listen to this. Continuing steadfastly in prayer. Continuing steadfastly in prayer. Distri distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. Okay. Philippians 4 verse 6 to 7. I love this scripture, by the way. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. See, the thanksgiving is there again. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. In everything, by prayer and supplication. In everything. So in everything, by prayer and supplication. What is supplication? Supplication is just a fancy word for asking, petitioning, supplication, making your request known. Father, I ask you this. Lord God, I ask this. Father, would you this? That's supplication. That's all that it is. Ephesians 6 verse 17 to 18. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Okay, there we have it, a number of things there. Praying always 
with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful in this end with all perseverance, persevere in prayer and supplication for all the saints. We're not just to pray for this for my little family, this for and no more. My household, myself, my marriage, my kids, and maybe my workplace. No, supplication and prayer for all the saints. When was the last time you prayed for your brothers and sisters in your church? When was the last time you prayed for that person in your church who irritates you? Supplication for all the saints. We need to pray for our brothers and our sisters. 1 Peter 4 verse 7 says, But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. We're required to be serious and watchful in our prayers. Prayer is not a joke. Prayer is serious. We have to be serious and watchful. What is watching? Watching is looking, observing. So I read the other day that they're wanting to erect 5G towers and that anyone, you know, that um, a policy is being drafted that basically allows companies to access private property and erect a tower without permission of the owner of the property. Now, I'm not an expert on this, but when I read this, when I read that, something in me just rose. And I thought, that is not just. That is unjust. So if that's where it starts, where is it going to end? When we, when we allow, so when we give the enemy a foothold, um, what, when we allow him a little inch, then, then the whole door opens and where does it end up? So it's important when we watch, when we see things that we think this is not biblical, this is not just, that we then arise and we, we pray. We say, Lord God, we bring this before you. We ask that you would intervene. Father God, we don't understand all the details of this, but we can just, we see that something is not right. Something is not just about this, Lord God. And we ask him for wisdom. That is what watching is. We're looking, we're seeing what's on the news. You know, if I watch carte blanche, you know, there's so many burdens that you can pick up and carte blanche, things to pray through. Watch, when you read the news, watch, watch and pray. What's happening? What do you think God wants you to pray and to be watchful and prayerful? That's all, that's all it means. Okay. Um, 1 Timothy 2 verse 1 to 2. Therefore, I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for all men for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. So we need to rise up as the church and pray for our leaders. No, you might not like your leader. No, you might not like your president. You might not like the people in parliament. You might not like them. You might not, you wouldn't, maybe you wouldn't choose them if it was your personal choice. But guess what? The word says, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority. Why? That we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in godliness and reverence. We need to offer prayer for kings and those in authority. And we need to offer prayer for all men. We need to pray for our areas, for our, for our municipalities. We need to pray for our businesses. We need to pray for our suburbs. We need to pray for our church. Yes, we need to pray for our schools, for our headmasters, for those. And we need to be prayerful for all men. That's what we taught in this particular scripture. In Jude 1 verse 20 to 21 it says, But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. So we to build ourselves up in our most holy faith. How? By praying in the Holy Spirit. We to keep ourselves in the love of God. And how do we do that? Part of it is building ourselves up in our faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. So we need to do it for ourselves. Amen. 
James 5, verse 13 to 14. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Are you going through difficult times? Are you praying? The Bible says, are you suffering? Pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. James 5 verse 16, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Pray for one another that you may be healed. And listen to this, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. So you are asking, does prayer make a difference? Yes, it does. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Amen. Romans 8 verse 26 to 28 says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings, which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. I love this particular scripture. We don't know how we should pray, so we pray in the Spirit. If you are not baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, I encourage you to speak to a leader. Find out about it. Do research on it. The Holy Spirit helps us when we don't know how to pray. We can pray in the Spirit and guess what? The Holy Spirit knows the mind and heart of God. He knows the will of God and he will pray for that even as we praying in the Holy Spirit. And you know what? Many people say, love to quote that scripture. And I know I've said it before a number of times, Romans 8 verse 28. We know all things work together for good to those who love God. Something terrible happens and we say all things work together for good to, uh, for good to those who are called according to his purpose. You know, and we use that scripture like a blanket explanation for everything ne everything negative and bad that happens in the world but no no some things happen in this world that are not God's perfect will not everything that happens in this world is God's will why because we gotta pray that's what I get from that particular scripture the context of things working together for good is the context of prayer and praying the will of God. Because God's will, this is a fallen world. God's will doesn't just happen, okay? The bad things that happen, we cannot just attribute to God. God is a good God, okay? We were broken into uh, a number of years ago. Was that God's will? No, I don't believe it was God's will. There was a breach in our security. There was a breach in our wall. Something happened and the enemy managed to break in. Now, it can, we, when we pray, it, he can use it for our good. You know, We can come out of it. We can beef up our security. We can come out of it better. We can come out of it stronger. Guess what? We put beans in our garden and so forth. Our security is, up, is taken up a notch. But the point is that we can't just attribute negative stuff to God and say, oh, well, it'll work together for good to those who love God. No, we've got to pray. We've got to pray it so, and then it will be so. Amen. Another exhortation, another, um, the other example, one of the other examples I was wanting to look at is the requests to the church for prayer from leaders. Okay, leaders, spiritual leaders, church leaders need the prayers of their congregations. I want to encourage you, whether you come to go Christian church, whether you go to another church, I want to encourage you, pray for your leaders. They need your prayers. Leaders need prayers. They need to be covered in prayer. Church leaders in the world need to be covered in prayer. 
Okay, Ephesians 6 verse 19, um, pray for me that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Okay, Paul is saying to the church at, at Ephesus, guys, you know what? Pray for me, please. Pray for me that utterance may be given to me. Pray for us as leaders that God may fill our mouths and hearts and minds with his word. Pray that God would give us boldness, uh, boldness, that we would open our mouths and boldly make known the mystery of the gospel. Pray for your church leaders that his word would be found on their hearts and in their mouths, you know, on their tongues. Pray. Don't complain about the messages. Pray. Pray for your church leaders. That's what's more powerful. Colossians 4 verse 3 to 4. Meanwhile, pray for us. Saying to the church, pray for us that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ for which I'm also in chains, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Pray for your leaders that God would open a door for the word. Pray that more doors would open for God's word. No, it's not about making their name great. No, it's not about them. It's about God being glorified through the fruit of his disciples and church leaders. It's about God's word bearing fruit in this world. It's about God's word reaching many people. You know, sometimes church members are quite insecure and critical and they look at leaders and they think, well, you guys just want to build your kingdom. You guys, you know, very, very often church leaders are not about building their own kingdom. They want to build the kingdom of God. But guess what? Jesus said that he is glorified when we bear much fruit. So pray that the word of God, would there would be many doors open for the word of God. Pray that your leaders will be fruitful in the things that God has called them to. He's called them for a purpose. Amen. Don't criticize your church leaders. Pray for them. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 25. Brethren, pray for us. Pray for us. Pray for us. Pray for us as the Nyamuda family. Pray for your church, your pastors. Pray for your leaders. We need prayer. 2 Thessalonians 3 verse 1 to 2. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may run swiftly and be glorified just as it is with you, that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men for not all have faith. Pray, use this to pray for your church leaders. Romans 15 verse 30. Now I beg you, brethren, through the Lord Jesus Christ and through the love of the Spirit, that you strive together with me in prayers to God for me. Isn't that beautiful? Strive together with me in praise to God for me. On exhort us today, strive together with your leaders in praise to God for them. Strive together because guess what? In them fulfilling what God has called them to, you will also be pulled along and fulfill what God has called you to. And you know what? As you pray for others and as you sow and pray for the lives of others, your leaders, your pastors, your brothers, your sisters, guess what? God will raise up those who pray for you. You will reap as you sow. Amen. Okay. Now the third aspect in terms of prayer that I'm wanting to look at is um, prayers for the church, prayers that were prayed for the church. And we can, and there's so many prayers that were prayed for the church and um, so many prayers that we can look at. And I've just taken scriptures from the New Testament, but there's so many things that we can glean from the word. I encourage you to use this as an appetizer and to, to dig deeper for yourself. But some of the scriptures that there are where we see Prayer for the church happening. 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 2. We give thanks to God always for you, making mention of you in our prayers. These are leaders. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers. 
They prayed for their congregations. We give thanks to God always. Wow. 2 Timothy 1 verse 3, Paul is speaking right into Timothy and he says, I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did. As without ceasing, I remember you in my prayers night and day. Without ceasing, I remember you in my prayers night and day. I know about you, but I can, I, that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a good standard for me. That's a high standard. Without ceasing, I remember you in my prayers night and day. Do you remember your brothers and sisters in your prayers night and day? Do you remember those you are discipling and mentoring in your prayers night and day without ceasing? That's a very high standard. Philippians 1 verse 9. And this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment. Oh, powerful prayer to pray for the church. Let's do it now. Father, we pray that, that, that your love would abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment in your church, in our church, in Go Christian Church, in the church in South Africa, that we would approve the things that are excellent, that we would be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, that we would be filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Christ Jesus to the glory and praise of God. Ooh, love it. Colossians 1 verse 9 to 12. For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. Do not cease to pray for you. Not do not cease to pray for ourselves. No, do not cease to pray for you. Isn't that beautiful? And I'm going to pray this as well. So I'm taking this prayer from Colossians 1 verse 9 to 12. Father, we pray today that you would help us to pray without ceasing. We pray for our church. We pray for our brothers and sisters. We pray for our leaders in Go Christian Church that we may be filled with the knowledge of your will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that we would walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, that we would be strengthened with all might according to your glorious power, with patience and long-suffering and joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. 2 Thessalonians 1 verse 11 to 12, listen to this. With this in mind, we constantly pray for you. Wow. We constantly pray for you. And this is what was being constantly prayed. That our God may make you worthy of his calling and that by his power he may bring to fruition your every desire for goodness and your every deed prompted by faith. We pray this so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and, and, and the Lord Jesus Christ. These are powerful prayers that we can pray for ourselves, that we can pray for our church, that you can pray if you're not a member of God Christian Church, you pray it for your church, you pray it for your brothers and sisters. We can pray it for the church in South Africa, we can pray it for the global church, for the body of Christ. Powerful prayers to pray. So if you come to me and you say, I don't know how to pray for the church, take these scriptures and use them in prayer. I don't know what to pray. You know what? Start by praying for your brothers and sisters. Start by praying for your church. You know, Jesus loves his church. Jesus loves his church. This may be a news flash for many people. You know, many people don't like the church. Many people don't like people in the church. They don't like the leaders in the church. In fact, many people don't go to church because they don't like church. But guess what? Church is God's idea. It's not man's idea. And God loves his church. And I want to encourage you, if you have an issue with the church, the first place to start is pray for the church. You can't keep having 
um, angst and anger and frustration and unforgiveness towards someone or something when you begin to pray because God begins to do a work in our hearts when we find ourselves in that place and he begins to turn our heart that it aligns with his heart. I want to encourage you to take some of these prayers and pray for the church. God loves his church. The church is not going anywhere. It's still God's solution. It's still God's answer. And he's still going to work through his church and use his church, whether you like it or not, whether you're a part of it or not, whether you agree with him or not, because God is God. Okay, so I would encourage you to get with the program, to get with God's plan and to begin praying for the church. Pray for the church. He loves his church. Okay, pray that he would help you to see his church with his eyes. Okay, no, the church is not perfect. No, leaders are not perfect. But you know what? Just like you're a work in progress, the church is a work in progress. And God is building his church. And it will be, it will arise one day without spot, without blemish. And it will be a house of prayer for all nations. Amen. 3 John 1 verse 2. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. So we can pray this type of prayer. I pray you would prosper in all things and be in health as your soul prospers. Colossians 1 verse 3. We give thanks to God and to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Praying always for you. Wow. Such a standard. Praying always for the church. Praying always for brothers and sisters in the church. This is another powerful prayer in Ephesians. Um, Ephesians 1 verse 15 to 21. A powerful prayer to pray for yourselves, your church leaders, your church. And I'm going to use it um, to pray right now. You can pray along with me. Father, we do not cease to give thanks for our brothers and sisters, to give thanks for your church, to give thanks for the leaders that you've given us. And we make mention of them in our prayers, even right now, Lord. And we ask that that you, the Father of glory, may give to us, may give to our leaders a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you, Lord. We pray that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened, that we would that we would know what is the hope of your calling, what are the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints, what is the exceeding greatness of your power toward us who believe according to the working of your mighty power, which you exerted in Christ when you raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand, at your right hand in the heavenly places, far above principality and power and might and dominion, and every name that is named, Lord God. May you do this. Amen. Ephesians 3 verse 14 to 19, another powerful prayer, and I'm going to pray it. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named that he would grant his church, his church leaders, according to the riches of his glory, even at this hour, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ would dwell in our hearts through faith, that we would be rooted and grounded in love and would be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that we, your church, may be filled with the fullness of God. Such a powerful prayer to pray for his church. Amen. Philippians 1 verse 3 to 4. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine making request for you, all with joy. Always in every prayer of mine making request for you, all with joy. Wow, how, how many of us could say that? Always, in every prayer of ours, we're making requests for our brothers and our sisters. 
with joy. Our brothers and sisters in Christ with joy, always in every prayer. That's quite some standard to live up to. So all of these instructions were given by men who had a burden for the church or a church. And we can learn how to pray for the church through these things. But also each one of us, God has burdens for us to pray into. So the church was the area that they were primarily called into. They carried responsibility in those areas and prayed for the areas they were given responsibility over. And we can learn from that. And we also called to pray for the church. It's one of the areas that God wants us all to pray into. But we too also have other areas that God is calling us to pray into. So they, they prayed for church. They prayed for, they, they, the church leaders requested prayer. So we, we call to pray for the church. We call to pray for church leaders. But we are also called to pray for other areas of life that God has given us responsibility in. So we are going to look at that in the next message. How you can identify the areas that God wants you to pray into. And how you can begin to craft some of your own prayers. Today I read crafted prayers to you from the word. How you can begin to craft your own prayers for the particular areas that God uh, has appointed for you to pray into. So I want to encourage you to tune in next week so you can be, begin uh, and you can further grow in establishing um, an altar of prayer in your household and you can take your prayer level. You can really rise up and go to your next level of prayer. Um, you can really awake and go to your next level of prayer. So, but today what we have seen is that Jesus' lifestyle was one of prayer, that he taught his disciples to pray. And we looked at how he prayed for his church and we need to emulate that. We need to emulate a lifestyle of prayer and we need to also pray for his church. We looked at the book of Acts and the amount of prayer that was offered up by all men and women and the power of the prayers when the church prayed in agreement, in agreement and in one accord um, and how, you know, prisons were opened and miracles happened. Um, we also looked at the epistles in the New Testament. We looked at how the leaders requested prayer. And it's important for us to pray for our leaders. We looked at how they prayed for the church and how we too need to pray for the church. And we looked at how, uh, looked at some of their instructions to us as believers regarding prayer. Um, so, so prayer is not for some select few perceived spiritual people in the church. It is not to be left only to the woman. It is not for church leaders only. It is not for some so-called intercessors or people that we perceive to be super spiritual um, to, to pray or to pray in agreement or to attend prayer meetings. But it's for all of us to rise and pray because God is calling all of us to be a house of prayer. We need to, each of us is a stone. Each of us is a part of his house of prayer. He wants us to rise and pray, pray. And I want to encourage you this coming week to make some changes in your prayer life. Start, so you can start by seeing yourself as part of his house of prayer that Jesus calls his church. And, and I want you to begin this week by praying 
for his church, by praying more for his church, by praying more for your church leaders. And you can use the scriptures that I covered in the message today, or you can use other things that, that God um, lays on your heart. But I want to encourage you to take a step back and say, okay, I need to strategize. If I'm truly going to stand up, if I'm truly going to arise, if I'm truly going to awake to another level of prayer, I have to make some changes. I have to look at my schedule and diarize certain things that I'll do it because how many of us know that if it's not in our diary, it doesn't exist. Okay. If it does, if it's not written down, it's probably not going to happen. And I also want to encourage you to join us um, in our Zoom prayer meetings. It's not completely ideal, I know, to pray over Zoom, but you know what? It's still prayers of agreement. It's still powerful. We're still praying as brothers and sisters. And our church, however many couple hundred that we are, you know, I would hope to see more people attending corporate prayer meetings. I mean, to have four, we have consistent people, people that come literally day in and day out. And I take my hats off to them. And I think that's wonderful. That's such a commitment to pray. But we should be seeing more. If this house is a house of prayer and we have a couple hundred people in our church, but we have four people that attend a prayer, corporate prayer meeting or 12 people or, you know, 10 people, there's something that's, that's not a house of prayer. That's a handful of people praying in the background, a handful of people. And yes, our prayers are powerful, still prayers of agreement. But I'm saying, you know, that I'm, I'm saying, where are we as a church in terms of prayer if we only have a fraction of people attending prayer meetings? And so I want to encourage you. I know that they're not always at a convenient time for everyone. Some people log in and they just listen to the prayer meeting. They're at work. They don't, they don't actually pray um, out loud. Uh, but I want to encourage you, find a prayer meeting that you can attend and at least make a commitment to attend one corporate prayer meeting. Corporate prayer is powerful. You get to learn different ways to pray. You get to agree with your brothers and sisters. You get to hear what's on other people's hearts. And it's a powerful um, way to, to assist you're going to another level of your prayer. So the, the times are going to be up on the screen uh, concerning that. And if you're wanting to join our Zoom prayer meetings, you can email me. My email address is on the screen, tjnyamuda at gmail.com. Email me with your WhatsApp, with your name and your WhatsApp and your cell number, and I'll, and I'll WhatsApp you the details. Um, yeah, so, so I encourage you um, to, to join us and pray corporately with us. Um, it will help you. It really will help you. Next week, remember, I'll be looking at how you can identify the areas God wants to use you in prayer for. And we'll be touching on some practical tips in terms of building a prayer altar or lifestyle of prayer in your life and in your home. So thank you for joining. Thank you for joining us today. And um, let me close in prayer. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you that you see the treasure in us as your church, that you're calling us to another level of prayer. And we bring ourselves before you. And Father, we want to repent for our prayerlessness, for where we haven't diarized and scheduled prayer, for where we haven't prioritized it as the important slot that it should, that it should have. And we haven't given it the place that it should have. And we ask for your mercy. Holy Spirit, would you... Would you come and ignite us? Would you come and take us all to our next level of prayer in Jesus' name? Amen.